welcome to Positively Pro-Life podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Remel Tenney, Education Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. And today I am joined by Christopher Pushaw, the Executive Director of the Federation, and Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. It's great to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Remel. It's great to be with you today. Thank you, Remel. Yes, and uh, we are almost at the end of this year, and there is so much that has happened that we absolutely need to stop and look back on what we have achieved, learned, and also the challenges we have faced during this year. So in this episode, we, Chris, Maria, and I, we want to share with our listeners our personal highlights, victories, and learning curves of this year. So come along with us as we revisit some key moments of 2023. So first, I'm going to start with you, Chris. Um, This week, by the end of this week, you will be finishing a whole year as the executive director at the Federation. So what has this year been like for you? Uh, it's been a whirlwind, Remel, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we we kind of knew with this the full, first full year coming in after the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade um, and also the shakeup in the Pennsylvania Assembly and in the governor's mansion that our work would be cut out for us. So uh, it seemed like there were a lot of ebbs and flows and it seemed at various points during the year, as you guys will both attest, that uh, we've had some setbacks and we've had some challenges, but at the same time, you know, we're still here. Our message is still here. And I think, you know, adversity, you know, there's a saying that adversity introduces you to yourself. Um, I definitely can can attest to that, that, uh, you know, we're ready to face the challenges in the new year again. Uh, and I think if anything, our conviction in this fight has only increased. Oh, that is well said, Chris. Now, uh- Maria, tell us about your year. Um, can you walk us through some moments that you enjoyed? Working yes, um, it was a fantastic year on the publication front because uh, we published Mercy's Power, which is a guide to living out the gospel of life. And uh, this is basically a handbook for anybody who's interested in the pro-life cause um, in promoting that cause in your community, in your family, uh, in um, your state, and in the nation as a whole. And um, we received a a great deal of attention for this book. um, And I think it opened a lot of eyes to the possibilities that are in store for us as we move into this post-Dobbs era and uh, I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by uh, EWTN, um, both radio and television. And uh, it was just such a joy to be able to share um, some of my um, findings, some of my research, um, some of my insights with other people who share a passion for pro-life. Um, and I'm hoping that this book will help to um, not only persuade people to join the pro-life cause, but to also motivate people who have been in the pro-life cause for some time 
um, to get even more involved, to get more activated, um, because we need that, because we are facing some of the greatest challenges we've ever faced as a movement. Um, and that was to be expected because the overturn of Roe versus Wade was such a monumental event in the history of our country. And we are so very thankful that that happened last year and that we were able to finally um, free um, up the, the individual states to pass meaningful pro-life legislation. Whereas before we were very limited by what Roe and uh, subsequently um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey set out for us. And uh, we could um, place some protections in uh, the law for preborn children and for their mothers, but we couldn't provide full protections. And um, that's the uh, challenge that we face at this point. And so it, it's good to have a handbook around like Mercy's Power to give us the guidance that we need for these challenges that lie ahead. And if uh, anybody is interested in grabbing a copy of Mercy's Power, it is available at shopmercy.org, shopmercy.org, also the EWTN Religious Catalog, and Amazon. So uh, it's widely available, and um, I'd be happy uh, and excited to be able to sign a copy for you if you happen to obtain one. And so I'd like to turn back to you, Remmel. What were some of the highlights for you of this past year? Oh, wow. There have been a lot. Um, I think the very first one would be starting my job as the education director here. It was very unexpected. It was uh, uh, something that I had uh, in my, when the position opened up, I'm, I'm just, I remember just sitting there being in a clerical position and, and thinking, this is my dream job and something that I would love to do two years from now. Uh, without realizing that I was being called to this position right now for a time as this. So uh, that's definitely one of my biggest highlights to be able to do this. Um, and uh, along with that, I think places uh, it has taken me, uh, the stories that I've been able to hear because of uh, because of this job, it's uh, there is something about being a public, uh, publicly standing up for pro-life uh, at events uh, that that presents an opportunity for people to come up to you and share stories that you would never hear otherwise. Um, just stories of people who have chosen life, stories of people who have chosen abortion and regretted it, uh, the pain that they've had to live with, uh, but also uh, uh, that experience having propelled them to do something for the cause of life. So there's uh, just, just so many things. I, th I think the people I meet have definitely been uh, a big uh, highlight for me this entire year. And that's something I'm really looking forward to for the next year as well. So um, those are some of my big ones, but uh, there definitely have been a lot of events, uh, places uh, that I've grown uh, in my understanding of the pro-life movement in the United States. It's not something that I've, uh, that I knew, I guess a year from now, if you look at, if I have to look back, I'm like, wow, I have really grown in my understanding of how vast the pro-life movement uh, is and 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 the re the outreaches that we have. So yeah, that that would be that with some of my year. 
That's wonderful. And and Chris, if you could pick one moment to look back on in gratitude this year, what would it be? Um, that's a good question and a very difficult one to pick one. But I will say um, it was definitely our opportunity as the, the home state for the National Right to Life Convention, which was held in Pittsburgh in late June. Um, it was a very heady experience for me because I hadn't even been in the job for half a year. And here we are hosting in Pittsburgh and all the workshops and all the resources and meeting my counterparts and colleagues. And of course, uh, I've said this a a bunch of times, but I truly believe in mean. I've been blessed to have just an incredible staff. And even Remmel, as as you were talking, um, as proud as you were to be part of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation to lead its education programming, I'm just as proud to have watched you grow and develop and really come into your own. Uh, and Maria, it was quite an honor for me to, uh, that you had selected me to to be one of your uh, reviewers for Mercy's Power. I thought it was, as you said, it's a great guidebook. Um, the convention probably was only rivaled in terms of our banquet, which I thought was just an unbelievable success and a great team effort um, from having Claire Caulfield uh, win uh, the national right to the national oratory contest that we run um, at the convention to have in Raymond Arroyo really, really deliver a very inspiring speech. Um, and finally, that that my friend and colleague Mark Halk was honored with our leadership award for his very courageous pro-life witness. Those were probably the two moments in the year that filled me with the most gratitude. And a lot of the gratitude, again, is that I'm blessed with a great team and a great staff. And I honestly couldn't do what I do without, without you guys. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Chris. Um, I'm going to turn to Maria with the next question, which is what was the most challenging thing for you this year? I think the most challenging thing for me this year was the fact that um, we faced great opposition, unfortunately, from the um, Shapiro administration in Pennsylvania with regard to our award-winning Pregnancy and Parenting Support Services Program, which is administered by Real Alternatives, Inc. And the governor, as soon as he signed the budget in August, announced that he would not renew the contract of Real Alternatives. You have to keep in mind, Real Alternatives has been a mainstay in Pennsylvania for 28 years. So for the better part of three decades, 350,000, more than 350,000 women have been helped by the program, which became a model for the rest of the nation. And uh, I I think there were uh, maybe more than a million visits that women made to Real Alternative Centers. And um, there were um, more than 70 centers throughout Pennsylvania. And those centers included not only pregnancy resource centers, but also maternity homes and adoption agencies. It's a vast network of centers providing comprehensive counseling and support to women facing very challenging circumstances during their pregnancies. And with the uh, governor's announcement that the contract would not be renewed, um, came the realization that there would no longer be state funding of this magnificent program. Um, And it meant that um, pregnant women could be homeless this winter. 
Um, I am very grateful to our grassroots activists all around the Commonwealth who mounted a uh, an impressive campaign um, to lobby their state lawmakers um, to try to uh, rescue the funding of the program. But again, we face a divided government, whereas we have pro-life leadership in the Pennsylvania Senate, um, the Pennsylvania House of Representatives has pro-abortion leadership. Um, the Democrats hold or have held the um, Pennsylvania House by one vote. Um, now it's even, um, but uh, the Democrats have announced that uh, they don't plan to go back into voting session until March. So uh, we're seeing where um, there are tremendous hurdles to face at the state level. And um, I am very hopeful that in this coming year, we're going to see a uh, an invigorated educational campaign um, to let state lawmakers know the value of pregnancy resource centers. Real alternatives is not going anywhere. Um, they are uh, morphing into a privately funded program. And we hope that sometime in the future, they'll get back that state funding because it's it's very important to the women of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to have that support. Otherwise, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is telling pregnant women, you have no choice in the matter. Um, and that's not fair. Um, if a pregnant woman needs help in Pennsylvania, she should have somewhere to turn to to get that comprehensive support. Um, and so we are going to make it our mission to educate state lawmakers about the miracles that occur at these pregnancy resource centers, these maternity homes and these adoption agencies. Um, unfortunately, some have been forced to shut their doors, um, but we see where a number are fighting on um, because we know that the need is great in Pennsylvania. So that's a challenge that we face in the future, but we are up to it. I'm so glad to hear that your alternatives are staying. It doesn't matter if the funding is not being given by the state, but we are still here. Um, uh, that's that's a great update for, that we can end this year with um, of encouragement and uh, and hope that yes, this will this will continue uh, despite the opposition we're facing right now. Absolutely. And Rima, what are some of the things you learned this year? Um. <sighs> There's been so much. I, I know the first few months I just spent reading up and finding out as much as I could uh, that my little brain could hold um, uh, about uh, various issues as well as uh, the fetal development. I know that was a key thing. I had I, I was unaware. I mean, I've been pro-life all my life, but I was so unaware of how um, by the time the baby is at eight weeks, you can you have a tiny formed human being, a miniature baby um, in the mother's womb. And we're talking about chemical abortions being done on, on tiny, tiny human beings who are so vulnerable. So I think there were so many facts that I was not aware of um, that I was able to, to learn and understand, uh, which again is something that I'm also starting to see that a vast majority of pro-lifers don't have these facts. And are unaware of the of the develop, development of of a 
of a baby. Um, along with that, I think it has been such an honor hearing uh, and and growing in knowledge from our podcast guests. We've had so many uh, all across the board. I think we've had uh, pro-lifers shutting down preg- uh, abortion centers, uh, people running pregnancy centers, people who are advocating for for life, um, uh, who are educating people, uh, others. Uh, I think we've just had we've had an opportunity to talk to so many people um, doing such great work. And something that I'm realizing more and more is Planned Parenthood does not have that reach. I mean, they have a reach. The only thing they, they do is offer abortions and uh, offer very minimal options to women, whereas the, the pro-life movement and the pregnancy resource centers, the kind of resources, like how dynamic they are and how personal they are, that is something that just completely blew my mind. So um, these are some things that I was not aware of that I've definitely learned. Um, I think another thing uh, that has been challenging and to accept is also how um, how much public support there is for abortion. Uh, it may not be a direct support towards abortion. And I do I do believe that there is a lot of misinformation. Um, there is a lack of information as well. Uh, that cause people to make choices or especially politically, um, they're not aware of of what what that vote means, uh, like we saw in Ohio. And I know that was very discouraging, but I think it also is a sober um, acknowledgement that, yes, we do have our work cut out for us, like we often say. Uh, we have so much uh, work to do, just educating people about these things, uh, about how dangerous chemical about chemical abortion pills are, um, how dangerous uh, it is to allow states uh, to have abortion up to birth. Um, the bills that are coming out right now, we we definitely need to get the word out about uh, what they really mean, despite the language being vague um, in the bills. And, you know, it's a little hard. I, I have to rely on Maria a lot of times to, to figure out what exactly those bills are saying, because it's it's not very clear. And I think that uh, that vagueness uh, confuses people. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn as well. And Chris, what are you looking forward to in the next year? You guys have spelled it out. I mean, I think that the die has has really been cast and our work is cut out for us. Um, as Remo alludes to, I mean, and as you had the attack on real alternatives was part of what I see now as kind of a concerted strategy by the Shapiro administration and you know the the the, the pro-abortion forces in the legislature. Um, we're seeing how the plan unveiled, right? So, real alternatives had 27 years of bipartisan support. It helped 350,000 Pennsylvania women without a single complaint. And despite the fact that that budgetary allocation was made again by the legislature in a bipartisan way, uh, Governor Shapiro simply let the contract expire. He could have line item vetoed it, but there is political uh, fallout from doing that. And so I think, you know, when women become collateral damage, I mean, for the longest time, look, we know that every abortion takes a human life. But there was at least bipartisan support that we could be united to support women. 
and acknowledge that these are women in crisis that need help and need resources. And Maria, as you rightly pointed out, it's not just that there's no choice. (laughs) It's now, I mean, the only responsible choice is to abort. I mean, that's sort of the implicit coercive narrative that's afoot. And you know, it's you're seeing that in these bills. I mean, from from the bill that that would that passed the House, I think it was 1786, that create that would create Pennsylvania as a safe haven for people from out of state, where states that have more restrictive abortion laws than Pennsylvania's. You know, creates Pennsylvania as this safe haven, and then within the borders of our own state now, with 1888, it enshrines what they call reproductive liberty as a fundamental constitutional right, which effectively could dismantle our own Abortion Control Act, which, as you said, even though it was tip of the spear, no pun intended, for years uh, and formed the backdrop for constitutional uh, abortion jurisprudence in our in our in our state since Casey. Um, you know, what we're seeing now, I mean, I thought it, it occurred to me today, there was like an irony in preparing for the podcast that um, on the one hand, when we had a bicameral pro-life majority in the assembly, we were able to at least pass for constitutional for, for a referendum, what I called sort of a preemptive Dobbs strike so that there was no, you know, we recognize there's no fundamental right to abortion within the Pennsylvania Constitution. That was before Dobbs. Then we had Dobbs, which oddly enough said, no, you know, they basically memorialized in the federal constitution, there's no fundamental right to abortion. Now we have a bill pending in our own assembly that says, no, you do have it. So, I mean, I mean, I studied this from a constitutional level for 25 years, and you really feel like we are so through the looking glass at this point, you know, which end is up. But I think, Marie, in short answer to your question, you know, we know people have shown themselves to be what they are, and we're in a fight and we're in a battle. And we, the only way you win this battle, yes, we have to educate our legislators. Yes, we have to hold them accountable. But I think the biggest thing is we have to challenge the mindset that sees abortion as this fundamental right, because it's not. You know, you never have the right to do wrong. You never have the right to take another person's life for whatever reason. And that's, I think, you know, you, you have to get back to basic first principles and we continue to fight every way we can through our educational arm, uh, through our educational programming with REML, through our legislative battles in the Capitol, through educating our legislators, which is which is which is a lot of what you do, Maria. Um, and we can win it. Um, you know, as, as I travel across the state, a lot of people realize what's at stake. And as Remmel says, some of them are just misinformed and they don't know the real gravity of, of chemical abortion and what it does and how dangerous it is. But once you take the time to explain it to people, I mean, there's a certain percentage of people that will never get it. I mean, they, they just they are adamant um, that they, they, they just, for whatever reason, believe in abortion, that it is vital and fundamental. But I think there's a lot of people that if you take the time to explain the, the moral and the physical and the psychological gravity of what of what happens, um, I think, think that that's how you're really going to change the conversation, and that's what I'm really looking forward to next year. Well, thanks for bringing all of that up. Yes, that uh, those are such those are the battles we fight right now. And in light of that, Maria, what do you think pro-lifers in Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania need most in the coming year? 
I think that the thing that we need most is wisdom because um, we have to exercise wisdom and caution in terms of how we um, go about the business of fighting for people's lives. And I think that we have to recognize the fact that it is entirely possible the people who identify themselves as pro-choice really don't know what the um, pro-abortion industry is trying to do in Pennsylvania. They really don't know about the phenomenal work of pregnancy resource centers in terms of assisting women with everything from diapers to daycare referrals. Um, they really don't know that the abortion industry wants taxpayer funding of abortion. So they want our hard-earned money to pay for abortion, the taking of an innocent human life. I think a lot of people who identify as pro-choice do not know that the abortion industry wants abortion up to the moment of birth. Now imagine that. I, I know that uh, it's Christmas time. A lot of us have been around um, young children. We've been around infants. And imagine the, the inhumanity of trying to abort a child up to the moment of birth. And yet that is what would be permitted under House Bill 1888, uh, the proposed constitutional amendment. We call it a bad bill because it is a bad bill. It's bad for women. It's bad for children. It's bad for taxpayers. It is bad for Pennsylvania. And I think that you can understand that even if you don't fully embrace the pro-life cause. And I think that that's something that we need to recognize, that uh, we're not going to have instant conversions to the pro-life cause, um, but we can, through wise arguments, make the case that these pro-abortion bills that are being proposed in our General Assembly are wildly extreme and that they are, in fact, uh, the antithesis of what we need in Pennsylvania. And so with uh, just a few seconds we have left, Remo, what are some educational efforts you have planned for the coming year? Well, we are continuing our our online educational efforts. Uh, we are going to be bringing uh, a lot of material that are relevant and very timely, uh, just as we have done this year. We also have uh, lined up a few, uh, I wouldn't say a few, we've lined up quite a few uh, speaking engagements for next year, uh, for the next year, the first part. So, so far, we have already, uh, we have some dates lined up. So, we will be out and about uh, talking to people, talking to churches, uh, communities, schools, um, and, and a whole group of uh, Pennsylvanians across the state. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to. And I think I'm going to leave it at that because we're running out of time. Thank you so much, Remel and Chris, for being on Positively Pro-Life. Oh, Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life.